Welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis podcast with me, your host, Dr. Kylie. We are celebrating our 50th episode today. And to do that, I want to give all listeners access to my 60-minute thyroid workshop for free. If you've ever been told that your thyroid labs are normal, yet you still have all the symptoms, go check it out. You can get access to that at any time you listen to this for free on me in celebrating our 50th episode. Go here to get it. DrKylieBurton.com backslash crack your thyroid code backslash. I'll put it in the links below. Then if you have enjoyed anything that you've listened to, please spread the word. Share this podcast with your friends. And last but not least, I would absolutely love it if you left me a review so more people can find the life-changing information you have now found. All right, we are live with Adrienne, a dietitian. And the funny thing is we were talking a little bit before this is I applied to dietetic school twice and got denied both times. 13 out of 12. My lucky number was the 13th, but life works out how it works out. And I'm happy that Adrienne's here because she's going to teach us how to eat for more energy, what to eat for more energy. So we avoid eating the pantry at night. Adrienne, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Dr. Kylie. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit how you got into to dietetic school to begin with. I know you said you were going down the medical route at first too. I did. Yeah, actually, I was pre-med for a couple years. And then I remember I was part of this group where we were called future health professionals. And we would invite different physicians to come into the group and share their journey, their specialty to give us more ideas of, you know, do we want to go into pediatrics, uh, cardiac or cardiology, I should say. And um, a lot of people in my class were asking those really great, interesting questions like, you know, why did you get into this specialty? What is the most interesting case you've seen? And one day I shot my hair, my hand up in the air and I was like, do you have a family? Do you get to see your family? <laughs> um, I know it was like, I didn't even realize it came out of my mouth till I started talking. And the guy's like, you know, honestly, I don't get to see them as much as I would like to. And I was like, you know what? I don't think this is in alignment with, you know, where I want to be in the future. I always knew I wanted a big family. And so um, the next day I started looking through the course catalog of, you know, how can I keep all my classes like my physics and my calculus and not have to start all over again. Um, and I stumbled across nutrition and thankfully I was able to switch majors. Um, I only had to stay in school for an extra year at that point. Uh, and that rest, the rest is history. So nice. Yeah. That's a big factor for me too. I only work part-time like I'm a 20 to 30 hour a week type girl because I've got kids motherhood's first doctorhood second and I've been able to figure out a way to help more people but also enjoy my time with my kiddos so it is important for us mamas yeah well and I wanted to be able to do my job with integrity you know I wanted to be able to give 100% just like you um, and I knew that that was going to require a shift for, for me personally, that's not everybody's decision, but I wanted to be able to do both. And so finding a career that enabled me to do that was really important. Nice. So cool. So when it comes to dietetics, I know you said you do things differently. You're not the average dietitian. What's the average dietitian like versus what you do you do? 
well, and now I don't want to like, I'm not putting down other dietitians. Right, so let's right. Make sure I'm clear with that. But I think the the stigma is like with nutrition is, oh, they're just going to tell me I can't eat all my favorite foods or, you know, they're going to make, they're going to take this away from me or they're just going to talk about fruits and vegetables. And honestly, that is a huge part of my job, but I like to go a little bit deeper than that. And I like to talk about the psychology and the behaviors and the why behind our habits, because you and I both know just to tell somebody don't eat chocolate at nine o'clock at night because it's not healthy for you means absolutely nothing when it's nine o'clock at night and you want chocolate, (laughs) right? Like there's no reasoning. There's no logic at that point. Like we know what we should be doing. Most of us just don't know how to get out of our own way to achieve the goals that we've set out for ourselves. So I like to do that deeper dive work. I like to go into the why, um, behind our behaviors so that we can actually create change, making nutrition, making a healthy lifestyle part of our identity versus just something we do short term, because that's really how you have long-term results. And I always share with people, nutrition's a long game, right? This isn't just something we do for a hot minute and then we go back to old habits. Yeah. The quickest way to go back to old weights and yeah, old getting rid of the, the diet word. And switching it over to a lifestyle word. Yeah. And and honestly, I think lifestyle has been so overused that that's even confusing at this point. So right? what would you use? Well, I mean, I totally agree. It's lifestyle change. But in those words are what I call gray words, like balance and moderation and mm-hmm. variety. Right? If those are the cornerstones of a healthy diet. But nobody knows what those words mean because the diet industry has created such a culture of black and white thinking. You're either doing it all right and succeeding or it's all wrong and you're failing. Yeah. And it has created so much guilt and shame that we don't even trust ourselves around cake anymore because we're so fearful. Yeah. I was talking to a lady yesterday on a phone consult for the first time with her and she was telling me what she's eating. She's done everything under the sun to lose weight. And usually when people tell me what they're eating, they're like, oh, well, I have, you know, sweet potatoes and they go off the, they just list the items that they eat. She was down to the cup, like half a cup, a third a cup, a cup. Like she's got everything so stringent and so nitty gritty detailed. And yet not a single pound has come off of her, no matter how hard she's worked in both the workout and the kitchen. And then she's got other, digestive stuff too. But this whole concept of I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get healthy, I'm going to eat better. What if we just switch it to eat for more energy? I love that factor. How do we eat to get more energized? As mamas, we all want more energy. How do we do it? Well, I think first and foremost, we eat foods with energy, right? So, you know, I like that way to think about it. We think about, you know, in the form of nutrition, nutrient dense versus energy dense foods, right? So when you think of calories, calories is just a measure of energy. It's a unit of energy, but there are foods that give us a lot of calories, but not many nutrients. So we would consider them energy dense, like a candy bar, right? It has lots of calories, but there's really no vitamins, minerals, nutrients that actually help us feel good. And then there's foods called- Except the Snickers commercial tells you that it flips your mind. Sure does, right? (laughs) 
It's like, don't be so hangry, right? Yes. I think you're hangry right now. But then there's things like nutrient-dense foods. And nutrient-dense foods, you know, for the amount of calories, it gives us a lot of nutrition. Ideally, I would say we want 90% of our diet to be these nutrient-dense foods because that is how we feel our best. You know, I said to you in the beginning, I'm not going to talk about fruits and vegetables and all that stuff. But in this case, I actually am going to talk about it just briefly because when you think of like the macronutrients, carbs, proteins, and fats, these are basically energy units that every single food is made up of. And, you know, it, there's lots of different functions. You know, obviously carbohydrates are an energy source. Protein carries, you know, oxygen to our, um, to our muscles and it helps rebuild them. Fats are an important part of every single cell membrane. So we need all these macronutrients in our diet, but they're basically energy units. And what happens is the micronutrients, things like vitamins, minerals, phytonutrients, they serve as keys. And what they do is they go in and they unlock that energy from the carbohydrate, protein, and fat so our body can utilize it. So it's really important that we have these keys in our diet. Otherwise, we just have carbs, proteins, and fats. And we don't want to have our body work harder to break those things down. We want to be able to give our body the resources so it can do its job effectively and efficiently. So your body's constantly changing. Every three months, you're making new red blood cells. Every three weeks, you make new skin cells. Where does your body get the raw materials to make those cells? Uh It's through your food, right? Yeah. So if you're in the habit of eating processed crap all the time, it doesn't give you a lot of energy. It doesn't give you any nutrition. Guess what your cells are made out of? Processed crap. And then we wonder why we're so tired all the time and lethargic and we have no energy and we can't think clearly. Mm -hmm. Right. When we give our body the keys and we give our body the nutrients that it needs, now our cells are made with life. So my favorite tip to tell people is to eat foods that rot. Eat foods that rot. Okay. Right. It kind of sounds funny. But when you eat foods that rot, rotting means that it once had life in it. And so if you want to feel your best, you have to eat foods with life in them. That's why you've always heard shop the perimeter of the grocery store. Because the, the perimeter historically was the place where the refrigerators were plugged into the walls. I mean, now our grocery stores have refrigerators and freezers in the middle of the grocery store because they're plugged into the floor. But historically, the refrigerators were always against the wall because they had to be plugged in. And this is where all the foods with life in them are. They had to be refrigerated to, you know, have a longer shelf life. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, they would rot. Yeah, and they always put milk in the back, so you have to walk past everything to <laughs> grab your milk, and then you can leave. But you have to see right. it all first. So tip number one, eat foods that rot. Yes. They once had energy in them. That I've never heard it said that way, and it's so genius. Yes. The second thing, if we want more energy, is we need to make sure we, we're going to do this concept called proactive energy, or I should say proactive nutrition. So, so many of us, if I were to like graph out our eating habits, so many of us, our consumption of food increases as the day goes on, whether it be quantity or quality. A lot of us tend to skip over breakfast, maybe eat something small for lunch, but then dinner time is our largest meal. Mm -hmm. 
or the snack after dinner is our largest meal. Yeah. Right. It's the time we reconnect with our family. We put a little bit more effort into cooking for dinner than we do for breakfast and lunch. So most of us, our intake increases as the day goes on. And that can either be intentionally or unintentionally. Right. Intentionally is the person that wants to lose weight. And so in their head, I'm going to be good today. And I'm going to be good means eat less so that I can lose weight. And so it's easy to distract yourself all day long because you're working, you're with the kids, you're wherever you need to be. It's easy to not eat during the day because you've got a lot of distractions. But at night, when things get quiet and when all the feelings start to rise to the surface that you pushed aside all day long, that's when we run into trouble. That would be unintentional or intentional. Unintentional is you're just so busy. You've got clients all day. You've got work. You've got other things. You just forgot to eat because there were so many other things going on in your day. So people always say, I forgot to eat. And I'm like, I'm starving. How can yeah. you just forget to eat? One of my okay. favorite things that I do, because, you know, I'm, I fall culprit to this too. One, we always have a big breakfast. 95% of the time I spend 20 minutes and cook, whether it's an omelet or, you know, a good breakfast. But then I go through the day and what I found, and, and you can give some tips, tips too, but the, those jerk, they're not, it's not even jerky. What are they like at the, at the cashier stand when you have the protein jerky? Oh, like, yeah. Like the beef sticks or the, yeah, the beef sticks. Yeah. Those sticks. Those are what I love to have those on hand. It's like some quick food, quick protein, quick, something that I can just eat as I'm continuing to go about my day. So I fall culprit to this too. And like, it's 1220 and I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm going to get lunch today, but I'm going to make it so I get lunch today because I'm not going to feel guilty and I'm not going to bypass what we've discussing right now. So exactly. So like I said, a lot of us are intake increases as the day goes on, uh-huh. but I could also graph that our activity level decreases as the day goes on. For the majority of us, we are the most active, whether it's physically active or mentally active during the daytime hours, and we're more sedentary at night. Most of us are on our phones or watching TV or on our computer at night. We're, we're not moving. Uh-huh. So when you think about it, we're putting the most food into our bodies at the time when we're the most sedentary. Making right? up for what we didn't eat all day long. Right. And yeah. this is where most people make their mistake is because when they identify or they look at their own eating habits and they, they're identifying where the problem areas are, nine times out of 10, it's that evening meal, that evening snack. Well, I need to cut that down because it's too big. That's the reason why I can't lose weight. And trying to fix the nighttime is never going to work unless you first fix the daytime. Because we can't even go after the evening if we're not well-fueled during the day. So I like my, my if I, again, if I would go back to my graph, I want my activity and my intake to follow the same curve. I want to be eating the most during the daytime when I'm the most active because that's when I need the energy. Again, whether it's physical energy or mental energy, emotional energy. We can't run on fumes. It's think about like if you're driving a car, you know, say you're gonna you're all the way across the United States. I'm over in Philadelphia, right? Yeah, well, in, I'm I'm Midwest, I'm in Utah. Utah, right? So if I were gonna come visit you, I wouldn't just jump in my car and drive to Utah. I would never get there, right? You would, it you would know? just take like three days. Well, without gas, 
in my oh, car. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. I didn't say that Got part. It. With that gas in my car. So, you know, it's not like I'm going to drive to Utah and then fill up my car to let it sit in your garage. That doesn't make any sense. I would get put gas in my car first and then drive to see and you. Continue to fuel it. And continue to fuel. So a lot of us are saying, I don't have energy all day. I'm exhausted. I can't think clearly. I don't. It's because you're not eating. You're not fueling for that activity. And then by the time it turns seven o'clock, when it all catches up with you and you're mentally, physically, emotionally exhausted, that's not when we make our best decisions. And so I find this pattern that people run into where they're perpetually exhausted all day long and then eating everything in the pantry at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. And they, they blame that nine o'clock hour on lack of willpower. They blame that on, you know, oh, if only I was more motivated. There's nothing to do with any of that yeah. because you didn't eat anything during the day to sustain you when you needed it the most. And now your body is just crying for help and your body's going to win. Yeah. So, right. So we have tip number one, eat foods that rot. Tip number two, proactive nutrition, which means you've got to eat during the day. You can't just avoid it and then all of a sudden eat dinner and fill up all of your calories at nighttime. I have a quick example, and we can talk about this whole concept of calories anyways. My three younger brothers all run track. One of them, I mean, all three of them have gone Division One. They've ran national college during that national um, track meet. So they all run track. So in high school, I was getting my nutrition bachelor's degree, right? So I'm learning about all this food stuff. And the high school coach, all like they all knew that's what I was getting my degree in. So I would be sitting in the stands at these high school track meets watching my brothers and I would have coaches bring me people, bring me athletes, right? This one girl, a couple of girls came over and coach says, here, talk to this, talk to her. She's Ty and Ty's sister or whatever. So I start talking to them and the one has, she's a sophomore in high school. She has two stress fractures in her femurs. The largest bone in your body, you've got stress fractures in her femurs and she can't run because of these stress fractures. So I start talking about her idea of food and her idea of calories. And in America, we have this 2000 calorie limit hanging over our head. And we see 2000 calories and then we see all this obesity around us. So we're terrified to even eat that much calories. And that was it was that way with her. She's 15, 16 years old, literally eating 1,500 calories a day. She was tracking it. And then she'd go run 7, 8, 10 miles in cross-country practice after school. Well, no wonders why you have stress fractures. Your body is literally eating itself. Exactly. Because if you were to sit on your butt and do nothing all day long, you need 1,500 calories and now you're going out and expending another 1,500 calories in your runs. So, yeah. so it's up to you. Do you want to stay injured all season? Or do you want to actually compete and race? And she had this concept of, well, I'm just going to eat rice cakes. Rice cakes are good for me because they're healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'd fine, eat your rice cakes. But I want you to drench that rice cake and peanut butter and bananas and any other thing you can drench it in. Just drench it. Eat the rice cake, but not by itself. So I think we have this overhanging subconscious thought of, I can't go over 2000 calories because we've been, it's been ingrained in our head subliminally, virtually. I mean, stare at commercials, like we dropped the whole Snickers commercial, eat when you're hangry, like really a Snickers? That's not what you should be grabbing for, but that's what 
our, the messages are telling us. So when it comes to avoiding food all during the day, would you say that that concept plays a little bit of a role as, you know, I'm not going to eat my calories during the day. I'm going to eat them at dinner. So I'm going to save um, those calories. I don't even think it's, yeah. I mean, I would say that they want to save it for the meal that they want. But again, I think it goes all into that, like you said, brainwashing diet culture of don't eat too much. Don't eat at all. Try to keep your portions as small as possible. And the physical and emotional ramifications of that are damaging. You know, I even talk about the, the danger of labeling foods as good or bad, right? How many people label the foods that, you know, oh, this is good, this is bad, because that's how our brain likes to categorize things, right? Eat this, not that. Remember that was a book that came out like a decade or two ago, and it was like, okay, eat this food, not that food. This is good, this is bad. And what happens over time is eventually we start to assign a moral category to who we are based off of what we've eaten. How many times have you heard somebody say, oh, I was so bad today. I ate a cookie, right? Yeah. Oh, I was really good today because I had a salad for lunch. You know, they've actually assigned their moral value based off of what foods they eat. And we all have heard it or we may all have done it that it doesn't even feel harmful because it's, I could tell you, oh, I was bad today. And you'd be like, oh, what did you eat? Because we would be speaking the same language because it's so universal at this point. And there's a lot of danger at categorizing foods as good or bad. Something that feels so harmless is actually very harmful because it actually creates a distrust between ourselves and food because we're only a good person if we eat good food. Yeah. I tell people the only way you would ever be bad is if you stole the food. <laughs> That's the only way you would be a bad person for eating cake is if you stole the cake. Right. But it, that, that mistrust that we have around food. And then whenever you categorize a food as bad, you actually elevate its status. You now made it a forbidden food. And whenever you make a food forbidden, guess what you start thinking about and obsessing about? More. That food, because you just told yourself you can't have it because it's bad. Well, now I want it. And you've elevated the status so much that you can't think about anything else but that food because it's first in you know front of your brain. And then eventually you might even give in to eating that food, but you don't even enjoy it because you feel so guilty <laughs> that you, you can't even enjoy the food. And then you feel worse about yourself. You feel the guilt, the shame, all the things that go around it. And then you vow, what am I going to do? Tomorrow, I'm going to do better. I'm going to make my... Tomorrow, I'm going to go run all morning long to run it off. Right. Or I won't eat breakfast because I have to like punish myself for overeating calories the day before. And then we create that deficit. And then we try to hold out as long as we can until eventually we give in again. And I always tell people when it comes, I heard this really great analogy when it comes to food and restriction and binging, that restriction binge cycle. They said it's almost as if it, you're using a bow and arrow, right? So think about if you are picking up a bow and you pull back on the bow, as far back as you pull on that bow, when you release is how far the arrow will fly forward. Right. If you only pull back on the bow a little bit and let go, the arrow is going to basically go maybe a foot or two in front of you and drop to the ground. But if you really cock back on the bow 
as far as you can, when you release it, that arrow is going to launch. And that's what happens when we get into a restrictive food cycle, right? Sorry, I'm going a little off topic here about eating for energy, but I think it's really important. So we make a whole bunch of rules for ourselves. Don't eat after eight o'clock. Don't eat any white sugar. Don't eat flour. Don't eat. Oh my gosh. The rules are endless. Right? I thought when I started this thing, I'd have to help people like do the elimination diets, right? People are already doing it. By the time they come in, it's like, what on earth are you eating? Yes. And for me, it's not even, I think from my experience and from what I've seen is that people aren't eating enough. Correct. And we have this idea of, well, I got to eat less. I got to eat. No, you got to eat more. Right. If you give your body fuel, it will burn it. But you're not giving your body fuel. So it's hanging on to it, thinking that I'm going to be in a famine. And when it thinks that you're going to be in a famine, it's going to store that food. Whereas you feed it and you feed it and you feed it, that metabolism speeds up. The the weight loss comes off. Like we are so, we're always thinking about restrictive when we should be thinking, you know what? If I eat more, I'm going to have more energy because one, I'm eating more food to supply that energy. And two, my metabolism, surprisingly, will actually speed up. My body knows I need to burn it. Exactly. And I think that's a common misconception. We need to do less, less, less. And our body doesn't even have the materials to function. So then it starts to slow down. It starts to steal from, you know, like calcium, right? It's very rare that you see a low calcium level on blood work because if your blood is low in calcium, it just goes and steals it from your bone. Yes. Right? (laughs) But you don't see that on blood work because when you look at it, oh, calcium looks great. Meanwhile, you're basically, you know, deteriorating your structure. <laughs> yeah, your body's literally eating the bones, the inside right. of your bones. Same thing with the stress fracture. Like if you're, I always tell, you know, all these runners, like you guys have to eat food, like 5,000, 6,000, 7,000 calories a day. And when you think of that concept, like that's a lot of food. Mm-hmm. with these teenagers, like you track it. I want you to track this stuff because you don't realize one, how little you are eating. And two, when you do start to get into that kind of amounts, you feel like you're going to be eating all the time and you should be. Right. And it needs to be that balance of nutrient dense foods, yeah. not just empty calories to get them in. Yeah. Right. But you're right. We make a whole bunch of rules, right? And then we are basically holding out our bow and then we're seeing how long can I hold this position? right? All your people that come in with all their rules, I'm going to keep eliminating, eliminating, eliminating. And now I'm basically just trying to hold this position for as long as possible. Yeah. But eventually you let the arrow go. And it's always, you get this too. I eat healthy, right? I eat healthy. This is what I eat. And it's like, they're, I'm real. Do I have, we had hamburgers last night. Yeah. I made them and they were covered in lettuce, but like it's the 80, 20 rule. I'm going to go out to eat and I'm going to enjoy a meal. I'm going to enjoy my rolls. I always talk about this. I used to eat pasta all the time growing up. We we rarely eat pasta now just for the fact of the carbs and, and the empty white carbs, right? So last time my husband and I went out, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get myself a pasta and I'm going to enjoy it. And it was a dang good pasta. Thank you, Applebee's. Because... <laughs> And I'm not going to sit there and, and torment myself like I should have ordered, you know, something that was more keto, more friendly like that, where I'm going to just enjoy my food. And, and if we can grasp our concept and, and become more of let's enjoy food, not make it one, be a burden and two, be, oh, I got to watch what I eat kind of thing. If we can just get to the point where we enjoy food 
and have a good positive relationship with it, what can happen to the hormone balancing, to the weight loss, to the brain fog, to the X, Y, Z, whatever you're dealing with? We right. I mean, think about this evil culprit when in reality, we should be our best friend. Yeah. I was going to say, think about when you're being mindful, when you're eating, when you're actually paying attention to the flavors and the taste and the consistency, you're more in tune when you are no longer enjoying it. Right. So, so much the fact because you're either, you know, you've, you're satisfied with the meal, the volume, but if you don't like the food anymore, then you would stop eating it. But because we have all this shame and these shoulds circling around our food choices, we can't even tune into that because we have all these clouded judgments about food. Yeah. Like you said, we should just be able to enjoy it. And once we no longer enjoy it, then we move on. But that's not how it works because we have all self-imposed rules about what it should look like that we can't even tune into our body's natural signals. Yeah. And just think back, like those of you who are listening in, just think back. When was the last time you actually ate something and you literally said to yourself, man, this tastes so good. Just think about it. Was it yesterday? Dinner time? Was, I mean, I love it. We cook our hamburgers and I do the bacon. And so it's a bacon burger. And I, so of course, last night for me, I was like, oh yes, I just, I need this red meat. It just tastes so good. But when was the last time we did it? For somebody, it might be a week ago. They just eat because they're supposed to and they know that they need to eat or they dread eating because they have to follow these guidelines that somebody put upon themselves, whether it was them or Google or who knows what it was. But if we can go back and we can enjoy food again and we can grasp this concept that it's our friend, not our foe, how much better will we feel? Right. I mean, you think about all the, again, I go back to, if you don't have emotional health and mental health along with physical health, you really don't have anything, you know, for so many people, you know, they can fit into a smaller size clothing, but you know, the anguish that they put themselves through in order to do that, that's not health. So mental health is as much a part of this eating thing as physical health. If we want to do it long term. Yeah, totally agree with you. The size of your clothing does not dictate how healthy you are. Some of the healthiest eaters I know, do not wear a size one. And some of the sickest people I know do wear a size one. So it's just this whole mindset game of feel confident in your own skin, enjoy life. And part of enjoying life is enjoying food. You don't want to just survive, have to survive this life. We want to thrive and enjoy it. Yeah, I love it. I love our conversation here. So we have tip number one, eat foods that don't rot. Tip number two, proactive nutrition. You got a third tip for us, Adrienne? Thank you. Addition, not subtraction. Yes, I can see where this is going. I like it. So, you know, most of us, we have been helping our children through uh, virtual school. And it's bringing back a lot of things that I forgot over the years. Like I remember I was doing prepositional phrases and I was doing, you know, math and geometry where I'm like, oh goodness, you are asking me to pull out information I have not used in 30 years. (laughs) So I don't know if anybody else feels that way where I'm like, oh my, hold on, I got to review how to do this before I start helping you with this assignment. But we can all agree that addition is easier than subtraction, right? It's always easy. Like my, my daughter was doing subtraction last night, three digit numbers. So as I'm checking her work, I'm working backwards and adding her line. Adding it up. Yeah. To get to uh-huh. the third line at the top. 
right? Addition is always easier than subtraction. And it's the same with food. I don't want you to think of subtraction. Subtraction is the opposite of energy. I want you to think addition. What can I add to this plate to make it just a little bit healthier? You know, where are maybe those opportunities where I can eat that burger with bacon on it? But guess what? If I add a lettuce wrap around it, that, you know, gives it a little bit more redeeming qualities. You know, ideally for women, we want seven servings of produce every day. Again, produce are those keys. They're those nutrient-dense foods that make us feel our best. They are foods that rot. All you right? said seven? Seven for women and ideally nine for men. Seven so, foods of produce, like produce items. So for me, I'm always recommending one up on vegetables than fruit. So for women, four servings of vegetables a day, three servings of fruit. For men, five servings of vegetables, four servings of fruit. All right. So I tell people, you know, that's a minimum. You can eat as much as you want. You can have 11 servings, but I just always want you to be one up on vegetables than fruit. Because, you know, I have a lot of people that love fruit and don't eat any vegetables. So they'd be like, sure, I'll eat nine servings of fruit a day. And I'm like, no, if you're going to eat nine servings of fruit, then you need 10 servings of vegetable. You got to keep it in balance. But look for opportunities. So for me, I always recommend two to three servings of produce at each meal. You know, not only is it going to help you meet those recommendations every day, um, you know, it's going to ensure that you have variety in your diet so you don't get bored, but it also crowds out the junk. When you're eating two to three servings at every meal, there's not enough room for a big serving of meat and a big serving of starch and all those fruits and vegetables. There's just not enough room. You'll get full before that. Cereal. Cereal is a big one for people, right? You know, because they end up eating big, giant bowls of cereal for breakfast because they need a big bowl because a small bowl doesn't fill them up. And then you have a sugar crash three hours later. Exactly. Yeah. But if you start adding a lot of produce to your breakfast, then all of a sudden there's not enough room for a big bowl of cereal and all that produce. And so what am I going to tell you to do? Not decrease the produce. <laughs> That's not going anywhere. You're going to end up decreasing the bowl of cereal until it gets to a more appropriate volume. Yeah. But instead of telling yourself you can't eat cereal, which makes you mad. Breakfast is always the hardest meal of the day for me. Like we go through our routine. And if you think about it, you got French toast. Well, that's just pure sugar. And you've got pancakes. And if you can get like a pancake, a protein pancake, that that's better than the other option. But from a from an American standard breakfast, breakfast is so hard. Besides throwing together a smoothie, how do you incorporate produce in your breakfast? So I'm like you. I do eggs. And yeah, we're big like, eggs over here. Mm-hmm, me too. I'm always a blend of high fiber carbs with lean proteins every time I eat. And then in addition to that produce for maximum energy. And so eggs are just an easy, quick way. But some people will do like a yogurt parfait. And when I say yogurt, you know, I usually talk about plain yogurt. Most people will be like, oh, I don't like plain yogurt. I'm like, well, then you don't like yogurt because that's what it tastes like. You like sugar (laughs) and some of those desserts that they market as yogurt. But, you know, a yogurt parfait could work where you do plain Greek yogurt with some fresh produce and your fruit and maybe some unsweetened granola on top. You know, that could be an easy, quick breakfast idea. Yeah, we used to do that. Um, my roommate and I, Miranda, you'll get a couple a couple episodes later, or I should say by the time this one airs, you'll have heard this episode um, where her and I join in and, and ca- have this conversation about what med school was like for us. And for her and I, we meal prepped. 
and I'm a big meal prepper now. So when all of our classmates, you know, were were spending seven dollars on lunch and twenty one dollars on coffee throughout the day, we had we carried around our little lunch boxes and we had all our food from seven a.m. to six p.m. at night was in our little lunch boxes. And a lot of times, breakfast was we would prefer we prepare everything the night before. So what we had to do was grab it and go. We'd have our yogurt and our granola, usually homemade granola with some berries. And it was always like people were envious of our of our food because it was always there with us. Save time, save money, and it tastes pretty good. Yeah. I just haven't used that in a long time. I've been avoiding, I don't do dairy myself. Dairy is my big culprit for my asthma and lung problems. So I, I haven't done yogurt in a, a long time. You could also try a coconut-based yogurt or an almond-based. There's that stuff. Where do I find that? I know we have it at our grocery stores out here. Um, I'll have to pay, I'll have to look. I'll have to yeah. pay more attention. I didn't even know that stuff existed, so. It does. Yeah, there's oh. so many different options now for people, depending on what their intolerances are, that you, you're you not banned for yogurt for life. There's other alternatives and sources that you can utilize. Good. And I also found with pregnancies, my pregnancies were very, very rough. I was sick all the time. Like this last pregnancy, I was getting IVs. And finally, I was like, what on earth is... You know, when, when you're a doctor and you help other people, it's so hard to look at yourself and to treat yourself like you're the doctor for yourself. So I heard this podcast episode, someone was talking about pregnancy and how difficulty it could be with, with nausea and vomiting and how it can actually be food culprits. So I was like, you know what? What the heck? What have I got to lose? I can barely eat anything now. I'm throwing it all up. So usually when I'm not pregnant, I'm dairy free. But then when I get pregnant, I'm drinking like the boosts and I'm trying to keep yogurt down. And I was like, I'm just going to cut all that stuff. night and day difference. Cut wow. it all out. Never threw up once afterwards. Interesting. So since then, I've thrown up enough yogurt in my life that I just haven't. Maybe scarred a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I haven't gone back and taken it and tried it yet. But my little boy does. He does like it. So I'll give him a yogurt here and there. But I haven't had it in a long time. I'm going to have to add that to the breakfast list. Any other breakfast ideas? I'm a big fan of, I like Idell's, if you've ever heard of that name brand. They have that at Costco, uh, their chicken apple sausage. That's another protein and making like a hash along with that, like a sweet okay. potato veggie hash. Uh-huh. Um, that could be something. In terms of vegetables. Breakfast burritos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are your best. Otherwise, you're doing more of the fruit at breakfast and then maybe switching over to more vegetable based from lunch on. Um, so I typically will do a lot more fruit early on when I need that energy and to feel my best. I typically do more of a fruit heavy breakfast with my eggs and then I move over to vegetables at lunch and dinner. Nice. That's a good um, rule of thumb because who wants to eat vegetables for breakfast? Yeah. Unless it's throwing kale in the shale, in the smoothie or something like that, but you don't need smoothies all the time either. They're great. I that's the other thing too. Since medical school, since we moved back to Utah and I start, and we have our blend tech, it's never been used. I threw up way too many smoothies too. So yeah. we haven't brought that out yet either. But one day we should bring it out again. Yeah. Oh, I usually do that more in the summer anyway. I'm not a or we've been my daughter and I have been doing more smoothie bowls. So, you know, instead of drinking it out of a cup, we pour it in a bowl, we cut up fresh fruit and put it on top of the smoothie. You could add some unsweetened coconut or uh, granola yeah. or unsalted nut. Yeah, Jama Juice has started doing that with like their acai bowls. And... Yes. Okay. Yep. I like it. Yeah, that can be another option for you to get some extra Sometimes vegetables. I'm just going to pay Jamba Juice though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
that's more of a weekend thing for us. Okay. Um, so tip number three, addition, not subtraction. I love that. Just add things in. Don't think about what I what do I need to eliminate? So good. Yeah. And especially when we're already have our subconscious mind saying that we need to eliminate these foods because of calories or, or whatever the crap is that we tell ourselves, um, eat up guys. We're probably not eating enough calories during the day, enough to speed up our metabolism, enough to give ourselves energy. Yeah. So I have one more tip. I'm four. Go for it. Tip, tip, four tips. All right. So last one is you will not be successful winging it. You've got to have a plan. So you actually t- spoke to this so well just a couple seconds earlier when you talked about med school and how you guys would prep your food and you would be all ready. You'd have it with you, ready to go. Like I have yet to meet a person who is successful trying to wing it. You know, it's a different part of your brain, right? We have our prefrontal cortex up here that is responsible for forward thinking, goal setting, logic. And then we have this part of our brain back here called the midbrain, which is also coined the toddler brain. Every decision that your toddler brain makes is through the lens of pain avoidance and immediate gratification. And unfortunately, this part of our brain usually answers first. So when presented with a problem, I'm hungry, what do I want? This part of the brain is always going to take the easiest path. What's the quickest, easiest thing I can choose? And a lot of times that's not in alignment with our goals. You're driving down the highway. You're on a trip, right? I'm going out to Utah to visit you again in my car. I'm hungry. Oh, look, there's McDonald's. Just stop there. It's quick. It's easy. You don't have to do a lot of work for it. The commercial tells me to. It tells me. There's. You've seen this. There is a McDonald's at every single rest stop. Every single one. That's not a, that's not coincidence, right? It's good business. They want to make it so accessible and easy for you. And that's the message. And especially if you're on vacation, well, you know, this is different. We're on vacation. There's no rules, right? We usually have like a vacation brain where all logic and rules get turned off because it's vacation. Yeah. There's two different types of vacations. There's the, I want to save money, so I'm not going to eat anything or there's the, you know what, I'm on vacation, I'm binging, and I'm going to eat whatever the heck I want when I want to eat it. That's right. Like, we earned it. We earned yeah. the right because we were so good a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually not the case. So anyway, you think about how are you successful traveling? You pack a cooler for your car because that's in alignment with your long-term goals. I don't want to be tempted by the quick, easy route that my midbrain is always going to try to convince me to do. So how you take control of that is you prepare. If nothing else, you just think about it either the morning of or the night before. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because I'm thinking, I would say the best times where I eat the best, the most consistently is when I'm on a vacation that I had to prepare my food beforehand. So you're thinking, okay, we go camping a lot in the summer. We live in the mountains. We love the mountains. Every Before you leave, you have every meal mapped out snacks mapped out. It's all in the cooler. And you literally eat the best you've ever eaten that summer for those three days that you're on the camping trip. Same when we go to the lake. I mean, we eat really, really good when we're there for a week at the lake because every meal is mapped out and planned and prepped and you just get it out of the cooler and you're ready to go. So if we were to switch our thinking and say, how do I prepare on Sunday or Saturday for the next week? And literally map out the meals and prepare them as much as possible. So you grab and go when then when it is time. 
that just clicked in my head that literally when I'm camping or at the lake or somewhere where I had to prepare my food first, that's when we eat the best. Exactly. Because there is no, we'll, we'll just figure it out when we're there. If yeah. There's nothing to figure out. There's nothing around you. Yeah. <laughs> it's all on you. It's exactly that. So I always tell people, I have yet to meet somebody successful who just wings it as they go. You know, when you think about it and maybe thinking about it for a week at a time feels too overwhelming. Oh my goodness. I, again, then just take it 24 hours. Where am I going to be over the next 24 hours? Like for you. Okay. I have a podcast at whatever time it is there. 11, 12, 12, 12 o'clock. Right. So that's over lunchtime. So, you know, I'm going to need to fuel myself before I start seeing patients. So let me grab something that's a little bit quicker to eat than maybe a day where you have time to sit and eat. Yeah, that's where leftover dinners come into play. Exactly. You know, where am I going to be for breakfast? Do I need to pack something for the car or do I have time to eat it before I leave? Dinner. Do I got to run the kids around tonight or are we all going to be home or who's getting home first? And I know my meals that I plan for dinner are different when my husband's home versus when I'm home. Right. Like I can I'll cook a little bit more involved meals where he likes to keep things easy and simple because he's got five kids to try to, you know, help with Hallmark and do all the evening activities because I'm seeing clients late. Yeah. But having that plan in place ensures that it's not left up to chance and it's also not left up to take out. I love it. Just takes a little bit of prep and we Just are much more bit. successful. Three minutes. That's all I'm asking for. Three minutes of your time, either the morning of or the night before to map out a quick, easy plan. And you'll see a dramatic change just from that. I love it. So just to recap, guys, tip number one, eat foods that rot because they once had energy in them or they do have energy in them when you're eating them. Tip number two, proactive nutrition. Don't let it the day go by without eating and then inhaling everything at night. Tip number three, addition, not subtraction. And finally, last but not least, don't wing it. Plan ahead. Got it. So good. So thank you once again, Adrienne, for joining us. Um, tell us where we can find you more and, and learn more. Um, so I actually have a podcast myself called Nourish, Eat, Repeat. And so you can join me there. My company is called Body Metrics Health. And so you can find me on Instagram and Facebook through that. And then actually, you know what? I'm going to say one more thing. My podcast is, is based off of the book I wrote called Nourish, Eat, Repeat, A Busy a Woman's book? Guide. I do have a book, yes, which is available on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, like all the major bookstores. Um, but it's also called Nourish, Eat, Repeat, A Busy Woman's Guide to a Healthier Mind, Body, and Life. I wrote that book in 2019. It's filled with like practical nutrition lessons based off of funny stories of my own life with five kids and how chaotic and crazy it is. Um, I tied them into nutrition lessons. And at the end of each chapter are two five-star recipes. And I call them five stars because five out of five of my kids will eat them. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) So if you're looking for more information too, that's another way to connect. I know her podcast at the end of every episode has recipes too, because I was on it and I shared a recipe as well. So go check it out. The podcast, Nourish, Eat, Repeat, and also the book, Nourish, Eat, Repeat by Adrienne, last name, Delgado. Yep, you got it. Okay. And then you said that your clinic's name was what? Oh, it's called Body Metrics, B-O-D-Y-M-E-T-R-I-X, and the word health. 
And it's found in? On Instagram and Facebook that way. Cool. I'll put that in the notes for people to learn more and find you. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy your day. Thank you. And that's a wrap to our 50th episode. I hope you learned a little bit more about what food is and how to use food for energy. Once again, go check out the 60-minute thyroid workshop. It's free on me at drkylieburton.com backslash crack your thyroid code backslash. I'll put the links in the comments below. And then as a thank you, if you've learned anything on this podcast, I would absolutely love it if you left a review. The more reviews we have, the more people can find it. And we want people to have answers, healing, and hope, whether they have a diagnosis or they don't. I don't care. So spread the word, write a review, and I'll see you on the next episode.